Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Let me just start off by saying that I love church, and I love the church of God. I love the people of God. Uh, as we gather together, we're, we're in the presence of God, and I love that we get to connect with other believers. We get to fill this place. We get to fellowship. We get to hang. We get to, um, you know, we get to eat a lot. Um, if you've noticed. Um, but honestly, I've grown up in church and I've grown up in this church my entire life. I don't know anything else. I love that. I don't know anything else. Um, so if you're here and you're saying, hey, is this, is this you know, as, as we gather, we have services, we have, we have worship, we hear a message, and then we leave. Is that all there is? Is that all there is? I think there's, there is more to that. Um, it's, it's honestly the way God has designed it to be. It's looked different over the years, over the centuries, it's, um, to what we know it's today. But it's the exact same thing, the gathering of the saints to believers, to be in the presence of God, to, to hear a word, to, to connect with one another. Um, and I'm going to say this. If, you, this is your, uh, if this is your first church experience, whether it's your first church experience... Um, You've come from another church. Maybe you've been transplanted. and Maybe your season there has ended, and now you're here. I love that you're here. And, you know, there's, as there's many people has walked through these doors, I'm, I'm just blown away that God is still in the business of redeeming people, that he's using ordinary people like you and I to touch other people, to impact using the gospel. It's the good news that whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Um, and so this is, this is what's still happening today over the, over the centuries, last couple of thousand years. Um, and then our primary purpose as a church is, uh, our mission is to reach, restore, release. So we reach one, we restore, we build, we disciple, and we release people into whatever God has for you. Um, and every person matters. Every person matters. It's all about the one. It's about the one. Every person that walks through those doors, it's about the one. Um, I'm just reminded how in 2020 we realize how essential the church has been. You know, we had a, a, a small pause. You know, it's been, what, three years. We had a small pause. We realized we need people. We need fellowship. We need connection. Isolation isn't good. You know, we, we felt the effects of it. Loneliness, depression, the, just the worry. What's going to happen? Remember that fear. It was just, like, what's going to happen? And, and then when we gathered together, it was just like, ah, I needed this. This is what this is what I needed. And you know, as to be honest, you know, when we were here, you know, we we're doing online streams, and you know, when you're leading worship, you're not really leading anyone. You're looking in the camera, and like, what? Who am I ministering to? Who am I talking to? And then when we first got got together. It was a little weird, to be honest. Uh, to be um, just throwing that out there. Um, but we need the gathering of the saints. Um, we we need the gathering of the saints. We need the presence of God. We can't do life alone. We can't do this, we can't do this Christian life alone. Um, and so it fosters community with one another. We, we have encouragement. We're lifting each other up. We get to pray for people. And so that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the church. I want to talk about being the church, what it looks like, what's the purpose of it. So I think there's three things I want to talk about today. That We could talk about a lot of things, but I've just narrowed this down to three things I feel the church is called to be and what it's what it's meant for. I'm going to talk about how we're to be the salt and light of the world. 
It's meant for community, the gathering of believers. And then God's called us to live holy lives. He's called us to holiness. And so if you're just attending church and, you know, you're not involved in any ministry, um, I'm glad you're here. But there, I want to say that there is so much more that God has for you. It's not about just coming and attending church. It's not about being a spectator, but being a participator in what God is doing. Um, and so tonight, I just want to encourage you. I want to inspire you. Maybe maybe there's some areas that need adjustment in your life. So it's like, oh, I need, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of fading away. I'm kind of going by myself. Or there, whatever uh, we're talking about tonight. Man, make some adjustment. Listen in. Where, where, can I, where can I fill the void? I'm always doing that. Where can I fill the void? What am I, what am I lacking in? What am I getting lazy in? And so um, let, let's just pray. Let's go before the Lord. So Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that we get to hear from you directly using your word. We know it's reliable and can be trusted. Lord, we pray that um, we know that you're speaking to us now, but I pray that we'd have um, open ears to listen, to hear what you're saying, that we'd be challenged, that we'd be encouraged, like only you can speak to us, Lord. And like Samuel, Lord, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to talk about how the, the church has been historically, you know, it, it's a place of meeting. It's a place where we gather. Um, it's a central hub where, you know, you hear a message, you, you hang out, you fellowship. I'm just thinking, you know, throughout the centuries, they've, they've gathered. It's a place where, hey, let's meet here. We're going to do this activity or we're going to do this outreach ministry. And so it's been, it's a central place. Um, and then if you, if you pay attention to history and to um, historical institutions and organizations, you realize that hospitals, universities, um, the YMCA were all started by Christians who, as when they received change in their life from the Holy Spirit, they, the Holy Spirit did a work in them. They had, they, their only response was, I have to do something. I have to do something more where they further education, they further activity, community. We're gonna, I'm going to reach out. We're going to start hospitals. We're going we're gonna, to... Um, we're going to touch people's lives because the, the gospel is, is meant to have some kind of response, right? Right. When, when you're touched by the Lord, it's not just this passive thing like, okay, I'm changed. It's, no, there is, there is this activity. There is response. The Lord has called us to be an active church, not a passive church. I love the, the story of William Wilberforce, if, you, if you're familiar with him in, in history. Um, he led the anti-slave trade movement in the 18th century in Britain. He helped pass legislation to stop slavery. And he was, he was a man of faith, a man of conviction. And uh, I pulled up a couple quotes, and he said this. Um, Is it not the great end of religion, and in particular, the glory of Christianity, to extinguish the malignant passions, to curb the violence, to control the appetites, and to smooth the asperities of man, to make us compassionate and kind and forgiving one another, to make us good husbands, good fathers, good friends, and to render us active and useful in the discharge of the relative social and civil duties." He, said that, he also said this, surely the principles of Christianity lead to action as well as meditation. So when we're saved, there is this response. There's this stirring of, hey, there are things that need to change, and there are things I need to do. I have to be active. Because the Holy Spirit, he, he, wants, he wants to use us. He wants to use you to minister to somebody else. Jesus called us to be the salt and the light. He, he's called us to stand out from the crowd, stand out, stand out from uh, 
the, the cultural norms. We're supposed to be the light. Um, in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 13 says, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand, somewhere to be seen, where it, can gives light, where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So it's the Lord's desire that we shine bright, that there is, there is something resonating from us, that there is a distinct difference from who we used to be. There is a distinct difference from how we're acting as opposed to the world someone who's not redeemed, someone who doesn't have the Holy Spirit in their life. And so um, the, we're, we're to be different. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, he, he says, he almost calls us that we're aliens. We're, we're not of this world. Uh, remember that, that Christian um, brand that was going out, not of this world? We're not of this world. We're, we're as aliens. We're, this, is, this is not our final destination, right? The glory of God is our final destination. Um, and so we're to act not like the world. We're to follow the, the life of Christ. Um, and so this is, there are a few things I see, a couple things I see as, um, as salt and light. One, light brings hope. Light brings hope. Um, one of my prayers, and it's been a, a longstanding prayer, um, as we gather on, on Sunday mornings, we're in the prayer room, we're praying for our service, we're praying that God would minister, God would touch people. One of my prayers is that, Lord, let this house, let's just be like a, a a lighthouse, a beacon of hope for people to see. As they come in, let their hope be restored. Let there be encouragement. Let there be, um, let them see the goodness of God. Let them, I want, I want people to be encouraged. I want hope. Those who are wandering, man, life has, life has done a course on them. Those who are searching for hope, because there is hope in Jesus. Man, when, when the Lord touches your life, he changes everything. Lord, let them see that hope. Let them see the light. And that's what I love about a church, how um, we are a place where people are restored, where there's a place where we cultivate the presence of God and we value his presence and we're a constant. You know, you, you see some people that have come through, they're, they're here, and then they're, they're, they stop coming and they come back. We're a constant. I'm, I'm so thankful that we're constant, that people, wh whatever circumstances that their life is, has been, we're here. We're a house of restoration. We're a house of hope, a beacon of hope. How, and however, however long it takes, I'm so thankful that we are here. First um, Peter 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has called us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The gospel is a hope for all. When I think of hope, I think of the Lord of the Rings. Who's with me on that? Who's, I, I love, I absolutely love Lord of the Rings. I will, man, I'll, I'll keep watching it forever. Um, but one of the underlying themes, if you've seen the movie, if you read the books, is that no matter how dark it gets, no matter how, how much evil seems to gain territory, there's always a glimmer of hope. There's always hope. Um, and, and that's what carried Frodo and Sam to Mount Doom, to, to destroy the ring of power. Because honestly, it didn't look good. 
It did not look good for them. But there is hope. So no, we can do this. And so there is something about catching on to hope and being, being a light for someone who is in darkness, to being a hand that can reach out to touch somebody who's in need, that I need prayer. Okay, I got you. I, I need, you know, man, I don't have much today. All right, I got you. I, I, I got you. I'll cover you. To be a light to those who are in darkness. The world is looking for hope from all walks of life. I love that it doesn't, I love that the gospel doesn't discriminate. Everybody needs it. So no matter who you are, how much money or power or fame or how little you have, it is for you. So the church must stand out. Um, it is, it is, and I love how it's, um, the, the salt also has different uses to it. It preserves, it adds flavor. The world, the world is bland. It needs life. It needs the power of the gospel. Number two, light exposes that which hides in darkness. 1 John 1, 5 through 7 says, This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us all from all sin. As people of God, we're to be the light. We're to be the light of the world. We're supposed to stand out. Um, I'm a proponent of standing up for righteousness and being a light. We can't win it with politics. Uh, honestly, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm so over politics because you're not going to get anything done with a, with a Facebook or Instagram, you know, comment battle. This is why you're wrong. No, this is like it's, you're not going to get anywhere. Um, it's. But you know what? What I love is that there are certain things, well, what I hate is certain things have been politicized that are absolutely wrong and absolutely right. And what's wrong is it's being called right, and what's right is being called wrong. Um, I'm just going to comment this. I can't believe we're living in a time where this twisted gender ideology is just running rampant in, in, in our world today, where... It, it, it pains me to see that we're stripping children of their innocence and fed an ideology that tells them to accept that they may not actually be who they are, who they were born as, that they're not in the right body, that somehow, somehow they're not actually a boy. Somehow you're not actually a girl if they don't feel like it. And we're just told to accept this. this the slippery slope is here. I'm, I'm seeing, I'm reading so many stories of of. of of people's lives who have been ruined. They've been sterilized. They have they're lost feelings. They've lost um, really their identity because they were fed a lie. Um, they, were, they were told, it, it's, it's then, and the enemy is using uh, trauma. He's using anxiety. He's using um, just feeling self-hatred, not feeling good enough, and amplifying those and, and turning into what we're seeing now with this gender ideology, and that's not okay. Um, and I know this is not part of my message, not talking about the church, but I say that we need to be a light and we need to pray because that's one of the weapons that we have. We have prayer. It's a, this is a spiritual. It's, what's happening today is demonic. And, and we have to make sure that we're teaching our children, we're teaching our church that there is a difference between light and darkness. And not everything the world promotes is right. Not everything they hear on TikTok is right. I mean, they're saying this is, this is care, but it's actually harm. 
Um, we have to be the light. We have to be the light. Um, and so while the church exists, as a, you know, we gather here, we, we met here, it's a standalone building. There are structures, there's leadership. And I'm so thankful we have leadership because we need people over us who are watching out for us, who are speaking to our life, who are, who are guiding us, calling us out when, when we're wrong. Um, it wasn't meant to exist so that people can attend, but to be participants, to be active together. Um, we are supposed to embody the church actually on an individual basis. Like we are the church together. You're the church. I'm the church. Um, and so what do I mean? I mean that whether you're here in the building or whether you're outside, you are the church. You are a representative of the church of God. And so I want you to be readily available to be the church and not just say, oh, I go there. But to be someone who is the disciple to say, oh, you need prayer? You're at work. Okay, hey, we'll, we'll pray at lunch or I'll pray after, we'll pray after our shift. To be someone, when you're here, to be active, to pray for someone. This is, we're, we're the body of Christ. We're supposed to be active together. Uh, look at Acts 2.42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Verse 44. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I love this. This is not meant to be a single direction experience where you're listening to me, you're sitting out, you're having a seat, but this is a community. This is togetherness. It's a mutually beneficial thing. And so one of the greatest benefits I, I, I love that the Lord has set up is that there is community. There is something to belong to. Um, and we, we can't live life alone. Just like you can't live by yourself on an island. I mean, you, you could exist, but you're not really living. Surely you can't even live the Christian life by yourself. You, don't fool yourself. You are not that spiritual. You are not that spiritual. Jesus needed his disciples. Whoa. He had the 12. He had the 72. The upper room, there's over 100 people. I love that my best friends in all the world are involved in ministry. We're doing something together for the kingdom of God. And, um, you know, many I've grown up with. And, you know, it's, some are not here because what we do, we release. It's what we do as a church, our mission. Um, but man, we have so many relationships that, that are forged here. And it's in the body of Christ, there's no relationships like the brotherhood of Christ, like the family of God. And yeah, we, you can go to different community groups. You can go to the YMCA. You can go to, you know, you have so many clubs for different things. You have bingo night. Um, but what makes this, these relationships different is that we all carry the spirit of Christ in us. No other group has that. There is, something, there is something unique and special when you have like-minded people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and are doing life together. And this is why in the church, this is why unity is so important. 
If our goal together, if, if our goal is to be together, to, to win people to Christ, to disciple those, if we're not united in the same cause, if we're not united together, how can we effectively do this? Ephesians 4 says, always be humble and gentle. I mean, just stop right there. That's Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. Um, I love how the message says, Romans 12, 9 and 10, it says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good, with, be, good friends with, with, uh, be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. It's not always about you. It's not always about you. A unified church is a healthy church who learns to let things go. A unified church is a healthy church who learns, that learns to let things go. We give grace to those who might have offended us. And I love that the gospel is so contrary to the culture of today that it stands out, that it shines, that it adds flavor. Um, here's the thing about offense. When two people, especially when, here's the thing about offense in the church, when there are two people who don't agree to make things right and there's bitterness, one or both parties are holding on to their pride. This is not the way of Christ. God literally hates pride. He hates pride. And so it's one thing to get offended, but it's a whole different story for holding on to the offense. Uh, Colossians 3.12 says, So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe of God picked out for you, compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, but be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as a master forgave you. Mm. Mm. What's that marinate there? <laughs> Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. Uh, I think we all need to understand that we're probably going to, going to be misunderstood. And so someone might get offended by something we said, by us. You have to give allowance for that. Give grace for that. We, we talk about grace and truth here. Well, we have to give some grace in that area. It's not always about who's right and who's wrong. That's the truth. We give grace. But also be quick to give the benefit of the doubt. Perhaps you misunderstood them. Perhaps, perhaps the other person is having a bad day and they, they just, you know, they're, they're, they're involved in something else in their head. My point is we need to support unity. And, of course, there are, there's, there's Jesus laid it out on how to, to, to manage that and also, you know, some, if somebody doesn't want to get it right, well, you humble yourself. Sometimes it takes you letting go of your pride and apologizing when you're not at fault. Just to, just to bite the bullet. We're trying to support unity. That's, it's the purpose of togetherness. It's the purpose of the gospel. And so um, forgiveness is for you and not the other person. Forgiveness releases you from the grip of resentment. Um, I, I recently heard this story uh, from a pastor. Um, I heard it last week, and he was sharing um, 
just a story of forgiveness that's happened. So um, he's in his mid-40s now. He said that when he was in high school, junior year, he was involved in sports, you know, all his, all his, uh, all his school years. And he was involved in basketball and baseball. Well, his junior year, he was on the basketball team, and he said his coach was more, one of those old school guys that was more like a drill sergeant that would just hammer the team, that would get it on their case. Um, and so his junior year, they just, they flopped. They, they had a terrible year. The coach took it out on him, took it out on the team. And he said specifically, the coach would get on his case for what the team was doing, even though he was on the bench. Um, and so he resented the coach. He's like... So that senior year, he says, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm just going to focus on baseball. So that's all he, you know, he, that's the end of it. All right. So 25 years later, he attends the alumni game. He's playing baseball. He's at bat. And he hears his name, and it's the coach. And he's calling out, hey. And he's like, well, what are you doing here? He's like, hey, you know, I actually, you know, I coached junior um, I coached, some, I coached baseball in high school as well, and so I, I knew you'd be here. So I want to see some other, other players, and maybe you'd be here. Um, he's like, yeah. And so that resentment actually came in that moment. He's like, hey, so what's going on? And he's like, oh, you know, just have a family. So what are you doing? What are you involved in? And he's like, well, I'm a pastor. Where are you pastoring? You know, this city. What's the name of it? And it turns out his daughter goes there. And he's like, my daughter, your daughter doesn't come to my church. And he mentions, actually, she went on a mission trip with Heidi Baker. And he's like, okay, yeah, I guess your daughter does come to our church. Um, he's like, all right, that, that's cool. And so, you know, they kind of leave. And so a few weeks later, his daughter comes up to him and said, hey, you met my dad. And he's like, wow, I had no idea your dad was a coach this whole time. And he's like, yeah, you know, here's his number. He wants you to call him. And so he's like, okay. And so six weeks goes by, doesn't call him. She goes, hey, have you, have you called my dad? He's like, no, I've been busy. And, of course, he's been busy. Um, and so it's like, hey, you know, he really wants to connect with you. He wants you to call him. He just received a diagnosis. He's like, oh, what happened? He has bladder cancer. So he goes, and you know, they're at church. So he prays, and he says there is the Lord brought to him just the shift from just seeing him as that enraged coach and saw the humanity of his coach. And he felt the Lord, okay, I, I do need to reach out. So he texted him and said, hey, I, you know, just I'm praying for you. You know, hope everything's okay. And he called him immediately. Hey, so I'm glad you texted me. I, I'd love for you to come by. So he built the courage a, a week later to go to his house. And so it was just them two sitting in the living room, lazy boys, they're, they're talking. And, and he says, um, you know, I'd I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, thanks for coming. But before we talk about my diagnosis and to pray, I want to talk about your senior year. <laughs> and he's like, okay, okay. And he says, hey, you didn't need a coach. You needed a father. And I don't know many athletes that I gave up on, but I gave up on you. And I just want you to know I'm sorry and I need you to forgive me. And he said that all those feelings of a 17-year-old boy just rushed in, and he began to bawl. He's like, I'm, I'm a 40-something-year-old you know, man. I'm crying. He said the coach starts crying. They get on their knees. They embrace each other. They just have this moment. And from that moment, they began this relationship. They were texting each other. He started praying for him. 
And through the ups and downs of you know, battling cancer for two years, um, April 2020, he went to be with the Lord. Um, and so the coach's wife reached out and he said he had one request. He said, you know, it would bless him so much if you officiated the funeral. Um, and so obviously the pandemic, so they go to the funeral home. They were going to stream um, the, the, the funeral, just the family there, but they're going to stream it. And so he, he was able to go and preach to thousands of former athletes and students the gospel. And he used their story of reconciliation as, as a tool to preach the gospel. There is power in forgiveness. There is power in forgiveness. He really does, you know, turn everything for the good. I love that the Lord still uses feelings of resentment to actually, um, you know, progress the gospel to, to reach people. The Lord uses everything. I love it. Um, and so this is what we're about as a church. Unity. Unity. It's larger than that situation. It's, it's larger than isolated moments or several moments that may have happened. Because it pales in comparison to the vastness of eternity. In light of eternity, is it worth it? In light of eternity, is it worth it? Titus 3, verse 14. Our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Then they will not be unproductive. Galatians 6, verse 2, share each other's burdens. In this way, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourselves. You are not that important. Look to pray for needs. Encourage another believer. This is the body of Christ. This is, this is what we do. We strengthen one another. I love what Pastor Isaac um, says all the time during our Saturday morning prayer. And if you haven't been to Saturday morning prayer, I want to encourage you to come to Saturday morning prayer at 8 a.m. But he, you know, as we gathered in, we're ending, we, we usually split off into groups of three or four. And he'll say, hey, you know what? I want to remind you, if you have something to say, if you have a word, say it. If you have something to say, say it. He always encourages us, and I want to say to you, be used. Say, if the Lord is prompting you, even if it's a small, like, thought, a small whisper, just say it. You're actually doing, you know, you're, you're, if you're not saying anything, it's actually from the Lord. Man, that could have been encouragement to someone. Um, prophetic words are used, are, are words that uplift, that strengthen us, um, at the core of it, prophetic words are to edify the believer. And let me just say, it's not to pull down. It's not a time to criticize. Um, if you know a little bit about their, their lives, it's not a time to like, oh, I'm going to get them here. It's meant to build up, to edify. And so one of the questions um, I want you to ask yourself when, when you feel like this prompting of it is, what does the Lord think about them? Because often we might have a preconceived idea. We might... Either we might know a little about the situation, but what does the Lord say? What would he say here? Uh, not my perspective. Would he look to criticize or bring harm to his son or his daughter, or would he, he look to raise them up to his perspective, to his vantage point? And so I don't want to give a, a word out of my limited understanding. I'm, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will speak to you. He'll give you, he'll give you, he'll change your whole perspective. Um, on who, on what needs to be said. In in love, we give a word, right? 
It's a lean in. Um, and I've noticed that when I do that, my heart and my countenance, my thoughts for that person will actually change and shift. And it's like, oh man, like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have said that. I, I thought it was something else. Um, and so there are other things that we, we do as a church. We, you know, we, we receive discipleship. We, speak, we receive spiritual discipline or development. Um, we get to see what healthy friendships look like. Some of you have never seen a healthy marriage until walking in this, these doors. And I didn't say perfect marriage. I said healthy marriage. What a healthy marriage looks like. Um, Paul speaking to, to, um, to Titus here in, in Titus 2, verse 2, says, Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and, and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. Um, I'm not going to read the rest of the verses, but basically he's saying, hey, these are things to pass on, to disciple, to, to reach the next generation, that those who have, you know, have wisdom, those who have experience, to pass it on to those who are younger, immature, to receive maturity. Um, around here, we, we say this a lot. When, when you come in these doors, you belong. Wherever you're from, wherever you've been, you belong. You, you're invited. You're invited into this family. Um, then after, after a while, your faith begins to increase and you develop a belief. You develop faith in the Lord. And then ultimately leads to a change in our behavior. Um, and this behavior change should be reflected in every believer's life. God has called us to be holy. He says, be holy for I am holy. Um, let me ask the, the worship team to come up. Um, I recently read um, Jackie Hill Perry's book, Holier Than Thou. And um, if you remember Jackie Hill Perry, for those who are at the women's conference, who, who was, who's there? She was just phenomenal. Um, but, man, she, read, she wrote this book, and in it she lays out this thorough analysis on what it means for God to be holy. And I was just I was blown away. Um, it sparked me this newfound understanding on who God is in his holiness and his purity in his absolute goodness. The thing about God is he, he is the definition of all that is good. He is the pinnacle. He is the peak of all that is good. He has the best intentions. And so his holiness is so pure. And in response, God then says, be holy for I am holy. He has called us to live holy lives. Because there's a certain expectation and response within our repentance. It's not just this one-time thing. It's this pursuit of the Lord. We, we flee sin and we run towards God. This is, this is the call of the church. First Peter 3, I mean, First Peter 1, verse 13 says, So prepare your minds for action and exercise, it's this practice, exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. I think we often minimize our conduct because we, we love and embrace the grace and the mercy of God. We just, oh, well, oops. Rather than like, man, okay, I got to get this right. 
I got to shift things. Okay, Lord, remind, Holy Spirit, remind me when I start acting that way. We, we too often minimize our, our way of living, our thought life, what we say, but the church is supposed to be the light. It must be uh, living in the light. And so how else are you going to tell the difference between the light and darkness if they both do the same things? Um, we must be different. We must be different. We must pursue holiness. I wish I can get more into that, but um, God has called us to be the light, to be a beacon of hope, to be to be people of God who just, who are looking to be active, to be the active church, that you would be the church. Not just certain individuals who have the microphone, but those who actually are the church every single day because they're in relationship with the Lord. And when you're in a relationship with the Lord, it's the Lord, the Lord then speaks to us to use us. That's the byproduct of, of it. Um, and so I just want us to bow our heads tonight. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.